This is No Starving Artist Podcast. You deserve a successful creative life. I'm Anissa Benitez, a marketing expert at top companies and creative journeyer. I'm here to support your creative wellness, financially, mentally, and spiritually. Share with me your questions and I'll share perspective. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy that we've made it past the 10 episode mark. This is episode 11 on silencing our brain chatter and hearing our creative minds. With the stress around the pandemic and stress around job security and tons of things to be legitimately stressed about, we can feel like our brain chatter is valid and our thoughts are justified, but they're not productive and they're not helping us. And so we want to make sure that we're using this podcast episode to tune into that reality. We'll get into what that really means and the biggest benefit of tuning into our brain chatter and realizing it's unnecessary and how to be objective to it is in regaining more creativity and having more space to actually be listening to what matters. Our episode today is broken into three sections. Section one is me responding to a question around the last episode and in the form of a story, a little bit of a longer story. By longer, I mean about three minutes. (laughs) Section two will be diving into our reflection questions also via a culture resource, not the final culture resource, which I'm eager to tell about but this one is extremely powerful it's written by an actual brain scientist and it's their personal journey and the questions that we're pulling out and reflecting on are very relevant as always i'm here for you as a business and marketing consultant during this time i've helped numerous companies big iconic companies most recently at google youtube before that time inc but my biggest and most proudest accomplishments have been all the artists, businesses, and creative people that I've supported outside of work as a marketing consultant. And I've been damn good at it. And so if you feel challenged during this time, if you feel like your business could use some additional support, please share your questions and your stories and challenges that you're experiencing to hello at morebyher.com. I'm here for you. So on last episode of the podcast, within the intro, I mentioned caregiving for my ex. The episode was about turning our anxiety into creativity, and I really shared that with such brevity because I wanted to emphasize the importance of the practice of creative wellness in my life and how powerful it's been. But since sharing that, I received a bunch of questions that were more personal than related to your business and how you need support. So I'm happy to use today's episode to share more deeply what that experience was for me. And hopefully it helps give you clarity on your brain. About three years ago now, I had the experience of really moving from a place of feeling blocked creatively and honestly just defeated to a place where I felt like my mind was bubbling with creative ideas and overflowing and needed a space to channel that. At the time, I had just relocated from New York City to San Francisco with my ex. Six months into moving to San Francisco, my ex had a stroke. He had an AVM, arterial venous malformation, 
in his brain he had a rupture and I was there as his caregiver I was there the one taking him to the ICU I was there every day for the six months that followed he was in the hospital for about two months and a half first portion of that was yeah in the intensive care unit and then after that he was um within a second hospital full-time and he was yeah getting so much support from such amazing people because thankfully he was in a position to make a recovery it was a very scary moment because there was a chance that he wouldn't the brain is so unknown there's so little that you realize that people know about the brain until you're in that position. They weren't really sure about what he'd lose based on where he had his rupture. They weren't sure what that was fully connected to and how much it would really affect. And so it forced me to self-educate a lot more than I expected to, even when he thankfully made a full recovery. And he, at the end of the six months, based on his age and neuroplasticity and based on the amount of support system he had in his life, not only just me, but his family who was in New York and would fly out and stay with us or stay talking to him on the phone like at all hours, his friends who showed up for him to entertain him as well when I was at work or um, in between moments, that made a huge difference. So our recovery and our happiness and our joy and ability to function in life doesn't just have to do with our ability to endure usually has to do with our wider networks of support whether that's people whether that's actually having health insurance and guidance and the support enough from professionals to get to a really great place and some people are more privileged with that than others it brought up a lot for me and I want to share today on what it brought up for me as far as the brain he was in a position where he couldn't read he couldn't write he forgot his short-term memory and so yeah there are some other impairments I don't need to dive into them but what's amazing is the level of recovery that he made and I know that music played a huge part in that and it also showed me hugely that our brains are so dynamic and oftentimes we dismiss the most powerful aspects of our brain because of our emphasis and societal importance on logic and the importance on structure and organization and more often than not that's the part of the brain that's really fucking you up from getting to your creativity and I don't want any of you listening to be also victims to that brain chatter that one that's talking about why are you doing this? Why is it productive? How are you working? What are you doing after this? How is your social media going? Are you sure you want to check Instagram? How many likes did you get on that? That's the part of our brain that's, I'm not going to say it's useless, but it's overpowering. And it's overpowering our ability to tune into some other really powerful aspects of our brain. So I was very cracked open during this period. And in him being home, we would read I'd read a lot to him and one of the best books that we read was called My Stroke of Insight and it's written by Jill Bolt Taylor. So our culture wreck and the reflection questions we're going to get into pertain particularly to this book because she's a Harvard trained brain scientist. She had a massive stroke herself 
on the left hemisphere of her brain. And it taught her some powerful, powerful things that benefit us all to know. As some of you know, I founded More By Her, a platform to dismantle the starving artist stigma. Each week, we share a new story of creative women shaping culture on Wednesdays, Wisdom Drop Wednesdays, for those who identify as women, non-binary, she, her, they, them, thriving artists who are willing to give transparency on their creative journey and how they do it. Follow us at morebyher.com or on Instagram at more underscore by underscore her. This reflection question section is three questions. And first, I'm going to give you a little taste of the book that I highly recommend you go out and read. It's called My Stroke of Insight, A Brain Scientist's Personal Journey, and it's written by Jill Bolt Taylor. In 1996, Jill Boyd Taylor was a 37-year-old Harvard-trained brain scientist, and she had a massive stroke on the left hemisphere of her brain. She was able to observe her mind deteriorating to the point where she couldn't read, walk, and recall any of her hours that she was actually having this stroke. It was, to her, a complete moment of peace and well-being, and... It was also a moment when her logical, what she deems the left side brain, was recognized as having the stroke finally and seeking help before she was completely lost. And it took her eight years to recover from this. Despite the popular myth that there's a right side of the brain that's creative and a left side of the brain that's logical, there's actually no creative center for our brains. There is not just one There are many parts of our brains which are creative, our hippocampus, there's white matter, there's tons of different parts and pieces, and ultimately, I think what's most helpful in thinking about brain, left side, right side, as far as creativity or not creative, is actually just tapping into the fact that sometimes our thoughts, certain thoughts that are more tied to organization and tied to getting things in order within a space or time is a lot of the brain chatter and a lot of where our brain chatter comes from and so in her story she talks about stepping onto the right side that we recover our feelings of well-being and often that is sidelined by our brain chatter so actually reaching a place of sense of peace comes with tuning out that chatter, that chattery, buzzy feeling. And she's done a TED Talk on this. It's amazing. She's also appeared on Oprah's Soul Series. And she's a valuable scientist, a really amazing lived expert. And so I highly encourage you to check out her work. So diving into our first of three reflection question sections, because it's not just one question ever. It's I have a hard time posing things in one question, but these are things for you to think about. When it comes to brain chatter, all of us experience it, but what kind of brain chatter do you experience most? What kind of brain chatter is really going on? I'd love for you to tune in there because by you tuning in there, you'll learn so much. And circuiting, you know, what are these 
cycle of thoughts that's going through my mind and is any of it valuable? How can I affirm any of it so that it doesn't continue to spin and cycle? So can you take an objective stance and listen to what some of your brain chatter means? For instance, me thinking about my Instagram or any social media platform and being like, I I wonder if, you know, I got likes on this. I wonder if people commented on that. Sometimes cycles, and I definitely have a marketing mindset and can justify in a million different ways around growth and opportunities and why it's important. But I have to stop myself and be like, hey, Nisa, I noticed that this is a reoccurring thought in your brain. And I just want to say to you that you're enough. And your craving for external validation will be satisfied if you allow it to be satisfied but what you're creating is enough and it's cool you're okay all good and once I'm able to affirm myself and speak to myself like a child which is somewhat dismissive but also with deep compassion um, then it starts to dismiss those thoughts in my brain and it really starts to release that cycle of brain chatter highly recommend it second when it comes to inner peace Inner peace is accessible to anyone. She mentions this in the book. So when do you feel your mind is most at peace? Sometimes it's when we're in the shower and we're in these, what I call creative flow states, or we're completely relaxed and unfocused. That's one. It can also be during moments when we feel very focused on a task. This is why some people love to stay busy. I definitely tend to be one of those people too. It keeps you away from your brain chatter. You have ability to concentrate on one specific task without distraction. And I'm neither promoting one or the other. I want you just to be aware of which one you sway and gravitate more so to feel a sense of peace in your mind because we all have our coping habits to feel peace. Some of it's also maybe numbness and This is the one that breaks my heart the most is when people aim to escape their brain chatter by finding vices in alcohol, drugs, sex, anything else. That's the place that addiction is coming from. It's the work that you do to escape your thoughts. It's the work that you do to escape your trauma. It's actually creating a lot of work for yourself. What's easier is becoming aware of when you feel your mind is most at peace. So our last reflection question before diving into the fun culture resource is this. When is the best time for you to meditate? (laughs) Some of you knew that this was coming, I'm sure. Lastly, inner peace is a practice. It's not just something that you silence your brain chatter and you're good. You can keep on going. You have to create space. And we talked about creating space between our thoughts and between our reactions to things through breath in episode five the secret to longevity and rejuvenation i highly recommend going back and listening to that if you haven't but we actually have to practice creating inner peace not just through silencing the thoughts but holding space for the quiet so when is the best time for you to meditate what types of meditation works best for you to silence Um, your mind and really get to a place where you have the awareness that the brain chatter is even happening 
what types of meditation work best for you. Maybe that's silent meditation, maybe that's guided meditation, maybe it's a walking meditation. There's so many apps out there and I've tried so many of them. I love Headspace. I love a lot of these and I also tend to fluctuate in the way that I meditate. So how can you think about meditating sustainably? What's going to be the best way for you to be able to meditate sustainably? So maybe that means waking up earlier so that you always have the dedicated time to fit it in. Or maybe that means meditating for a shorter amount of time more consistently so that it actually sticks as a habit. Maybe it's finding a form of accountability. So maybe it's adding a calendar reminder to meditate every single day. Ultimately, with these reflection questions, you are the expert on you. The reason I pose a lot of things as questions is because your sense of self, your gaining deeper awareness around the way that you function will be the reason for your success, will actually help take some of these practices and put them into action in a way that will be substantial, effective, and best for you. Our next section is the final section, and this one actually makes me very sentimental. I think you'll like it. So we need to meditate, 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 create space in our brains, create space from our brain chatter, create room to think, create room to not think, so that we can open ourselves up to delving into our deeper sides of our creativity, to delving into deeper sides of our brain in general. An analogy for our brain chatter is the student in a classroom who keeps raising their hand and shouting over all the other students, and they don't actually have something particularly important to say. And what's unfortunate, if you keep calling on them as the teacher, then you continue to reinforce their behavior. And you also don't tune in to the other students in the classroom who are sitting there quietly and definitely have something to say and something to contribute. So how can you learn to create discipline? in the classroom and intentionally choose other students to listen to, to call on. This last culture resource is important because it demonstrates how your brain is creative naturally Unlike other animals, humans are able to interpret beats and we hear music rather than just sound. Other animals just hear sound, they have mating calls, etc. And we hear music. We are innately wired to love and appreciate art. I experienced this really closely when caregiving for my ex and being in the hospital. He was in a point where he couldn't write a sentence. He couldn't recollect pretty much any words and he was trying to learn the alphabet and the way that he learned the alphabet was through the alphabet song of a b c d e f g and through the tune of it was able to recite every single letter but if you asked him letters he wouldn't be able to tell you them and there were so many moments when we'd also play a lot of music and he'd be able to sing every single lyric and he couldn't right at that point 
there's just such an amazing mystery to the way the brains work. And I feel like this culture resource, which is from season one of Vox's show Explained, and it's on Netflix. It's such an amazing show. It's really evolved since the first season. But this first season has the episode on music. It's a special episode where DJ Toki Monsta, she discusses her recovery from having a very rare brain disease, Moya Moya, which caused her to lose her ability to comprehend music, which you can imagine is hugely devastating as a musician. She couldn't tell that there was a melody. It just sounded like noise to her. She explains on the show and there's footage of her recovery and her process and her performing with Anderson Pack. It's hugely touching. It touches me obviously for very personal reasons, but it also is such a powerful story of the importance of creativity in our lives as human beings. We are innately wired to be creative people. So if you have moments where you feel blocked creatively, it's more likely you're judging yourself. It's more likely you're not creating enough space and silence to really tap into yourself and allow yourself the freeness to explore and allow yourself the freeness to be in your natural state so again this culture resource is from vox's first season of explained on netflix and the episode is on music it's just called music thank you so much for listening to this episode i hope that you found the topic of silencing our brain chatter to hear our creative mind powerful. Again, we need to do this by firstly figuring out what kind of brain chatter we're experiencing and how to take an objective stance on what that chatter means. What's actually running through your head? How can you distill it by maybe nourishing it, comforting it, dismissing it, whatever? What, what's actually going and running through your brain most often? Second, inner peace is accessible to anyone. So how and when do you feel the most at peace? Is it during those moments of creative flow state in the shower at relaxed times? Or is it most on those focused moments of tasks, etc.? Because in understanding that, we can understand which ones we need to promote more so for ourselves, etc. And lastly... It's time to actually create that space, that gap hold space for inner peace through meditation. So when is the best time for you to meditate? What types of meditation work best for you? Is that silent meditation? Is it guided meditation? Is it an app? What kind of support do you need? What do you need to actually practice this sustainably? I'm grateful this podcast is a resource for you. And if you've enjoyed these episodes, please Please, more than anything, share it on social, tell a friend. I really want this to reach the people that it needs to reach and your support makes that possible. You can share questions to me around your business needs, around challenges you're currently experiencing. You can email me at hello at morebyher.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Anisa Benitez. Follow the amazing stories of creative thriving women and non-binary people at more underscore by underscore her on instagram remember that your brain chatter is that loud student in the classroom let them sit down we'll give them some time out and 
talk to the student who's quiet, that student being your creativity. Give that creativity space to breathe. I know you will. I would love to hear how it goes. Grateful to be learning and growing with you. I appreciate you.